Blog Talk Radio. What 
whatever you want to call me. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, everything in between. It is an absolute pleasure to be here and to, yeah, talk about a absolutely killer movie. Excellent. And, of course, my oldest partner in crime uh, was once upon a time a relative, no longer, but still, please welcome to the show, the Orange County warlock himself, Aaron Cogan. Welcome back to the Sexy Witches. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How's everyone tonight? Uh, we are good. It's officially moved here on Sunday night. Been here now three days. Uh, so I officially got I officially got unpacked and put away today. So I and I'm applying to a fuck ton of jobs. Let's hope one lands. <laughs> Fingers crossed. So right on. Um. So. Before we go into Dog Soldiers and Brian Pactotool's tool, who will call us in at 9.30, our time, it'll be 8.30 his, because he's in, I believe he's in Chicago, he's in the central area. Yes. We we have actually some business to take care of. Uh, one thing, important thing, is the movie The Stylist, which I produced, um, is now officially on Shutter. Everyone, rejoice. Woo! So no more excuses. <laughs> audience of the sexy witches and gentlemen out there you can now watch the shut show the movie on shutter and i'm so excited and also it's up for best first feature and this weekend on the 15th that's a sunday at seven o'clock i believe the chainsaw award so that's a big deal sangoria was open to uh, voting i don't know if we've won anything but i will tell you that because Suddenly, the stylist appeared on Shutter out of nowhere, and Bria Grant, one of the co-stars of the stylist, is giving away an award. I would say we at least showed well. Amen. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. So, well, and Bria Grant had a really amazing year last year. She had like four films, including one she directed. So, so she did really well. Lucky was amazing. Um, and um, there was also 12 Hours Shift that she directed with Angela Bettis. I, it's not horror, but it's horror mm-hmm. decent. I highly recommend that movie. Um, and then, Anything yeah, that's Angela Bettis, I will watch. She yeah, is and, my favorite. And 12 After Midnight, which was actually technically the year before, and she was up for an award for that, which she saw the previous year, but it really didn't. People didn't really see it till last year. Um, so there's a lot. If you want to learn about Bria Grant, there's a great crash course on her. She's an amazing actress. And I was very honored to see her in a movie that I had even a small inkling of assistance with. So hooray and congratulations to Jill Gavargizian. Did you hear that? I got it right. Um, well done. For having her first <laughs> film nominated for a chainsaw. It was also up for a rondo. Fortunately, we did not win. We lost to the Barbara Crampton film um, about the, what was what it called again? Uh, something, the wife. Jacob's wife. The, the Jacob's wife. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to diss on the movie. Jacob's wife is a solid film, and Barbara Crampton is actually very, very good in the movie. But honestly, I think the stylist is a better. Oh, he's good. So <laughs> yeah, with, but, with uh, Alan, I think Barbara Crampton gave a great performance in a decent movie. Yeah, but she exactly was amazing. Right. Yeah, she really was. Uh, I I totally agree, but I love her in everything. Yeah, you know, it's Barbara Crampton, right? She's like she's like Elvira. Right? You you can't really say anything bad about 
Robert Crampton. Speaking of Elvira, she also won a Cruelly, uh, for her memoir, Cruelly Yours, Arondo. So congratulations mm-hmm. to Cassandra Peterson, for that, which is, was one of the best books of the year last year. And even though I love Dark Days Bewitched, um, it did not win for Best Documentary, the folk horror documentary. It did um, the Boris Karloff documentary won, which was also really mm-hmm. fucking good. I just so, you know, that. It was pretty good. It was a pretty good movie. So, mm-hmm. I just I just broke down because I always buy presents for myself after I quit a job. And I actually bought um, three films, and one of them was the box set All Haunts BRs, which includes that documentary and a bunch of the um, folk horror movies in the documentary. So I actually have that right. now. Um, I also bought the Shout Factory's version of The Sword and the Sorcerer that just came out and the steel box for Cabin in the Woods, which, of course, this TV, this podcast is named after, Archivist Bets on Sexy Witches. So, uh, um, and a T-shirt wrestling but that's not a strike so <laughs> I was very I always buy a few things I my, my first present that I ever bought myself there I quit a job with my Game Boy uh, back in the day so you know it matters nice. <laughs> it's a tradition I've done for a long time um, so uh, real quick now Mike Lee was supposed to call in he's a regular caller he's also one of the producers on the FP movies um, he had unfortunately a employee you know, day job emergency dealing with right now. So I don't know if he's going to call in, but we should talk about, let, let, let's get it. Let's see. We've got none of Let's give him a little time to see if he can make it. And um, Nathan, I'm going to lead off with you here. Um, why don't you give a review of your last uh, TPW show, which happened last week in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh God. <laughs> the last TPW show was excellent. We had like, we had Neil Diamond Cutter on the show. We had Remington Roar there. We had Satu Jin there. Like, the biggest names in Deathmatch Wrestling are showing up in TPW at, at the Chatterbox. And you can come see them in a much smaller venue for less than you'll pay for a lot of other shows that aren't going to give you as much entertainment. So TPW is definitely the Deathmatch uh, promotion going on right now. And him and I also, on the 4th of of, of, of May, we did a couple of things. One, I took him to see Edgar Allan Poe's grave in Baltimore. Yes, that was bucket list shit. I got to do the uh, the, to- the Poe toast, give a cognac toast nice. to Poe, and I feel my life feels more complete for having done it. But we also went to AEW in Baltimore, and it was at the arena where Ring of Honor normally plays, so it was kind of a big deal. Um, it was a good, solid show. I enjoyed it, uh, but the best thing about it was we got to see Ray Phoenix return, uh, his first singles match since his injury against Dante Martin, and those guys, those boys, didn't even touch the ring for half of it. It was like they were in the sky the whole time. It, even non-wrestling fans would have enjoyed this match. It was fantastic. Uh, but there was one small mini highlight. Uh, one of the indie wrestlers, Tony Deppin, who's very, very popular, uh, he actually had a dark match with John Silver, one of my favorite wrestlers, and we got to see that too. So it ended up being a pretty fun evening. Um, Baltimore okay, treated as well. One other notable thing from that show, at the end of that uh, Phoenix-Dante Martin match, which I agree was absolutely amazing, there, Phoenix did something, and I'm not going to say it on the air, but those of you who know Lucha Libre and that whole culture, he gave the ultimate sign of respect 
to Dante Martin, and they didn't show it on TV for obvious reasons, but if you were there, you got to see it live, and it was a really cool moment. Yeah, it matters, especially to a Lucha Libre. So we, we were very busy last week, and then at, uh, and then uh, my – unfortunately, I have some terrible news for y'all. Um, the, last weekend was supposed to be opening night for my uh, Evil Geniuses Annie performance. It got covid um, oh, they had, no. they, yeah, they got yeah. and they canceled opening weekend. Um, so um, good news is is that it's been it's been rescheduled and the thirteenth is happening. You can imagine when they told me this, I actually cried because I knew I was going to miss her miss their performance, and oh, I did. No. Um, even though they did invite us to the dress rehearsal that happened, that would have been opening night. Um, because of scheduling, I did not get to see their big scene. Um, so, um, but I have good news. I found a cheap flight, and I'm going to be there for closing night. So I'm flying, oh, right flying back to Maryland for the weekend and going to go see Levy perform uh, FDR. So I'm very, very happy about that. But I was, you can imagine both Levy and I were pretty devastated when we found out that oh. opening night had been canceled. Opening, not just opening night, opening weekend it got canceled. Oh. But fucking right. Corona. I mean, seriously, two kids and one of the crew members got it. And, uh, it, 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 you know that people think it's over. It's not. It's not over. Um, so, uh, it, it, but we'll, 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 we're happy though that they're still going to get to perform. And opening weekend is in two days on the thirteenth. So wish wish them luck. So. Uh, so Raven, do you have anything to report on your end of the world? Um. Well, I was. I didn't watch them live, but uh, yesterday I was catching up with the nominations for the Tonys, and they're kind of crazy um, in that they're probably they're probably like how they should normally be nominated. But the fact is, there's about ten A-list actors who most people were expecting to be nominated that weren't nominated at all. And um that includes Daniel Craig for Macbeth. Okay. And um Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick are both in a revival of um the Plaza no Paradise Square or Plaza Suite rather. And then uh Beanie Feldstein for um Funny Girl was not nominated. Jane Lynch was not nominated. Um Crazy. Hugh Jackman was nominated for the Music Man revival, but um, a Funny Girl only got one nomination, and it was for a supporting actor, and they didn't get any other nominations. Uh, so the MJ musical, Michael Jackson musical, is just called MJ, and it doesn't feature any of his allegations or anything. That has the most nominations. Um Oh, actually, I think it's second place to A Strange Loop, and I remember reading that A Strange Loop had the first openly trans producer nominated, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it was pretty wild that there's all these huge names. Denzel Washington? Nope. <laughs> like, what? This is weird. What reality wow. is this? Found it pretty interesting. So this year, um, this year, it's gonna. I wonder if they're even going to show up. Like, 
what stars are going to be in the audience. Not like the Tony has ever had like a huge following like the Oscars, yeah. but I don't know. It seems like, um, I don't know. It seems like a bad idea as far as numbers, but then you go, well, shouldn't it be about talent? Yeah, it should, but it's not usually. <laughs> so it, I don't it know. Be a, in the 20s, it should be a healthy balance of both because you need the draw, but at the same time, you know, there's some people that have been working the circuit for so long that they should get acknowledged. Yeah. You know? and, yeah. and they usually do in some capacity, um, but I'm sorry to hear that all the a were snubbed sort of kind of. Um, crazy, just yeah, surprising. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, so, uh, is that all we have to report? Um, yes. Question mark. I think so. Okay. <laughs> uh, before I go head over to Aaron and have his reporting, I also want to report that last night, myself and Nathan went to see Everything Everywhere All at Once with Michelle Yao. Nice. Uh, and that movie is probably going to make my top ten. Uh, it, it is yeah. it is a hot mess, but but it is in all the right ways. Um, I also saw Doctor Strange, and surprisingly, these movies have a lot in common. They're both about multiverses. Um, and Doctor go. Strange is is I'm so glad that there's people that are actually like shocked how violent it is. It makes me happy because it's Sam Raimi. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that that movie is also a hot mess, but I would go, I'm not, a, as you know, I'm not a Marvel fan. I would go back in a heartbeat, and I'm, I'm actually thinking about going to see it again in 3D um, because that movie could really, it, that movie is really uh, leads itself to a nice 3D screening. So, um, but it, it was pretty fun. So, Aaron, when I found out, go ahead. Well, when, I found out, when I found out Sam Raimi was doing Doctor Strange, what I envisioned uh, what I hoped when I heard that is exactly what I got. Perfect. But, and when we <laughs> went and saw everything everywhere all at once, I had no idea what to think going into that movie. Cause I, I had seen the trailer and it was weird. And so I had never seen anything else about it. I didn't know what it was about. I went in completely cold and I'm really glad I did. Cause that was a great movie. Like, I highly recommend that one. And it does cover some of the same ground Dr. Strange does, but in a completely different way. It really is funny how, like, the multiverse is, like, the hot shit right now. So, uh, you know. I've loved alternate timeline anything. Russian Doll, Back to the Future. Russian Doll, yeah. Like, hook me up. Sure, yeah. Right on. Absolutely. All right. All right, Aaron, what do you have to report? Uh, Well, I was lucky enough to see... Uh, the premiere of Doctor Strange into the Multiverse of Madness at the El Capitan, uh, Disney's theater, hosted by uh, Nerdist Industries. Uh, a good time was had by all. Um, some critic uh, was going off on how this one didn't have the same woo factor as like Endgame, like when Cap catches uh, Mjolnir. And the audience goes crazy. And it's like, um, I don't know what dusty old fart critics you're watching your movie with, but you know, all the characters got whoops when they came on screen for the first time. When we see the, the members of a certain uh, alternate universe uh, group. Are we allowed to give spoilers on this yet or not? Yeah, because I was going to say, let's just go ahead. When we wait, saw wait, wait. the Illuminati, no, on, when wait, we wait, saw wait, Reed Richards. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, Aaron. 
Raven, have you seen it yet? Okay, no, because no, Raven can't okay. spoil it for well, Raven. Okay, well then forget <laughs> just just when certain characters came on, people went nuts. And there were uh, two very distinctive it, pops during that sequence, <laughs> and one of them came from right? the guy I was sitting to my left. He absolutely went. He <laughs> marked the fuck out. Um, I did. Nice. So, so yeah, no. There uh, if you're in Southern that. California, um, the the El Cap is a pretty great place to see it. Uh, for one thing. They've got one of those big ass grand uh, pipe organs from back in the day, uh, and there's a show with the organ before every uh, screening, and it sinks into the stage, and that's kind of magic in its own way. And then down uh, below in the basement, they've got uh, costumes from the movie, and that's just bitching. Uh, I also went to uh, Star Wars night at Disneyland After Dark on May the 4th Be With You. And they kind of stepped up their game this year. It was a a little better uh, than previous, Uh, a lot more photo ops. Uh, They might have overbooked a little bit, and coming out of COVID, that is a concern. But I can honestly say this year I would recommend going to a Star Wars night if there are still tickets left this year or putting it on your calendar for next. Well, right on. So that's great. Uh, so before we get to Patrick O'Toole, who should be calling in in 10 minutes, um, let's go back to the stylus for a minute because, as we mentioned, it is going to be – well, it is on Shutter. It dropped on Shutter. Also, on Thursday, um, a movie everyone's recommending to me, um, we sh- everyone should watch on Thursday on Shutter, uh, The Sadness, which is the hot shit zombie movie this year. Um, so watch that too. But, but The Sexy Witches – are planning on doing a special Facebook exclusive episode on Sunday as we live stream the Shutter Chainsaw Awards. Now, there's going to be there's going to be in a Facebook group, uh, so I mean a Facebook event page. So I will make that event page in the next day or so. So if you're listening, let me know, and I'll also send advice to everyone. Uh, we're going to use what's called Steamyard. Um, StreamYard is an interface on Facebook where you can actually, the live chat can be posted on the, the screen real time. Um, I, Mike Lee and I will, if we have an off-air conversation about how that's going to work, I'll let you guys know as soon as that happens. The only problem with this is if they use licensed music, Facebook might throw us all in jail. That's the one risk. Now, last year... The Chainsaw Awards had an original song, so they didn't actually play any licensed music. So let's, fingers crossed, we'll see what happens. And worst comes the worst, if they shut us down, we can always just go to the good old-fashioned comment thread like we do for the madness. So be prepared for that. So this is a risk, but it would be really neat to watch this all together in real time as as it's going on. So um, I would. So, are you going to be there, sexy witches, for that? I think so. All right, that's at <laughs> think so. We think so. Yep, that's I at will. seven o'clock on Shutter. So, um, and I, like I said, it'll be we'll be streaming the show through the Facebook group. Um, there is a way to do it on the live chat. Like I said, we can throw it up as it's going on. So it'll be a group watch and experiment too, because you know we might use this if this if this works. Do this as uh, for the madness as well for our group watches this year. So that'll be a lot of fun. So 
And yes, the stylist will be a group watch this year. <laughs> so, um, Excellent. Yeah. And the, I decided to do it during the warm-up, though, because so it doesn't quite fit our theme. Unlike Dog Soldiers, which very much will fit our theme, um, because it takes place yep. in Scotland. So, um, anyway, and in the so, woods. In the woods. Lost in the woods. Lost in the woods is probably a mm-hmm. good this year. Um, right lost on. in the woods. Yeah. So, uh, that's pretty much everything I have to I don't, Is there anything I am missing the catch-up on? I don't think so. I think I'm good. Yeah, I think I'm good. Anybody else have anything? Mm-hmm. We've caught up with five minutes to spare. How does that work? Well, I got no. something. <laughs> I got something. We found what? out the full lineup for Riot Fest today. Oh, that's right. Which, when I bought it, there was only one band announced, and that was the original lineup of the Misfits, and that was enough. But today they wow. announced, God, we're getting Nine Inch Nails, Bauhaus, <gasps> Bad Religion, uh, Fear, Madball, uh, Ice Cube. Like the lineup is sick. So uh, I am very much. Portugal the Man, that. which I just introduced yep. Nathan Hamilton to. He only mm-hmm. knew one song because it was covered by his favorite, one of his favorite bands. Here come the Mummies, and I'm like, no, nah, this guy's body of work is all pretty solid. Have a listen. So he's going to be on on the Friday on the first night. He's one of the headliners. So um, they also are doing My Chemical Romance, but we won't hold that against them because uh, <laughs> they no are comment. doing the, yeah they are doing the Misfits in their original lineup. So that's in Chicago in September. Uh, so I, if, you know if you like concerts, it's a good thing. Um, on a sad note, today they announced that, unfortunately, did not only did we lose in the last week, we lost Naomi Jun to suicide. The lead singer of the Black Dahlia Murders at 41 years old also killed himself this afternoon. So, um, you know, people, uh, call the suicide hotline, please. If you're suffering, no one deserves to suffer like that. Let them take their own life. And as someone that has been to that part of the abyss and has pulled back, um, it's easy to jump off that cliff when you hit that point. So we know we love you. We're here for you. Please get help before you do jump off that cliff because we lose a lot of beautiful, talented people this way. And it's always a horrible tragedy when something like this happens. So, um, yeah. you know, so um, other than that, um, I miss my kitty. Aww. I, I had to leave my kitty behind. It's temporarily until I get in my own place, but um, I miss my kitty. <laughs> so, you know, people should understand what it's like to miss their kitties. So, um, so this is the downside of moving. But Atlanta is a beautiful town. The weather's been amazing since I've gotten here. Uh, everything is good. I'm going to, what am I, I'm doing something this weekend. Oh, yeah, I'm going to a haunt this weekend. Um, there's a, year, there's a se- semi-year-round haunt called Containment. Um, they start, got their name because they used to use, um, like, freight car containers, you know, boxcar containers, the big, the big ones you get uh-huh. off boats and stuff. And they made a walkthrough. Um, they've been doing seasonal wow. stuff. I don't know what the theme is for this year. Do you know, Nathan? This, uh, this one? They have just told us it is the special Friday the 13th show. Now, that does not mean they're going for the movie, but uh, having talked to some of the people going after it uh, uh, that are putting it on, they told us that they're going to be trying out some stuff for this Halloween season. 
and kind of giving it a trial run this weekend. So it's only open on Friday the 13th. So if you're in the area, go check it out. It's going to be awesome. And Folklore Haunted House here is also doing something, which makes me think that in other cities, there's got to be haunts that are doing Friday the 13th shows. So oh, yeah. look around, see if there's one near you, and go check it out. And if it's folklore, well, we're definitely going to be supportive of that this year, because as we know, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness is, even though I screwed up the title on the group page, I can't change it for 27 days. Uh, it's Monsters of Lore and Witches Galore. Uh, it just says Monsters of, it says Monsters Galore and Witches Galore. It's not right. It's Monsters of Lore, Witches Galore. But, oh, uh, right. So I, I've been prepping that. Um, and Chris Qualls, who's decided, we have two judges now. Um, outside of the regular judges we usually have. Oh, Nathan also agreed to be a judge, so we have one brand new judge, and Chris Qualls is coming back, and Chris Qualls has made me not one, but two trailers for the Halloween movie marathon. So that's amazing. So I have movie trailers, so watch those when I post them. And guess what? With two minutes to spare, our guest just called in from the Chicago, Illinois area, because Chicago has been very, very busy this year. Um, wrestling's out of there. The Misfits are doing the Riot Fest. Uh, but this guy is awesome. Uh, he's been on the show before during our Werewolf Halloween episode, during our Nature Bites Back episode, talking about, though, so yesterday, May 10th, 2002, was the anniversary of the first screening of Doc Soldiers, uh, one of my favorite movies of the werewolf uh, horror action genre. Um, it was, um, I li- I've told the story before on the show, I was literally sick in bed with the flu and turned on sci-fi just for some noise. This movie was on, and by the end of it, I was cured. Seriously, it cured my <laughs> flu. Um, it, made, it was so exciting Hallelujah. to see something so fresh and exciting and and on a non-existent budget be so good so please welcome back to the show one of our favorite people producer and writer brian patrick o'toole welcome back to the sexy witches sir oh 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 glad to be back hey one of you guys order a pizza deep dish pizza (laughs) Oh, I've already told uh, Nathan style? when he's in Chicago, he has to go to Giordano's. Do you have any recommendations of a local one that's not a chain? Yeah, not Giordano's. Yeah, not Giordano's. <laughs> Giordano's is, is almost touristy, but it's so good. Well, Do you have when one was the last time you had it? Uh, it's been a while, to be honest with you. Yeah, so. it's changed. Has it? That's I terrible could, news. I could sneeze a better pizza, but oh. that's my opinion. Oh, wow. as, as, a, as a local, where should I go instead? Oh, anywhere else but. Um, there's a place called, um, uh, it's in Downers Grove. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, which pisses me off. I mean, making me mad. Uh, let's see. You can say pissed, it's fine. Tell you in a second, talk amongst yourselves. But and, and there's <laughs> plenty of other pizzas. It's just pizza places have become so, you know, uh, corporate. And, you know, they may have even sold the franchise. It's just not the same anymore. Well, I'm sorry to hear that because um, I, I got introduced to them through another company in the Bay Area where I grew up, San Francisco, Zachary's Stuffed Pizza. And uh, they're still the bomb. Uh, they're a local chain there, but they led me to when I moved to Chicago because, you know, 
I don't know if you realize this, Brian, but a lot of people think that Pizza Uno's is Chicago pizza, and it is not <laughs> Chicago pizza. No. You know, no. But Giordano's was closer to the truth with the, with the tomatoes on the top, which is how you're supposed yeah. to do it. Yeah, it's so, pretty much lasagna with crust at the bottom. I like it that way. <laughs> That's a Chicago pizza. Yeah. Yo. So, uh, but, but anyway, thank you for coming back on the show. Uh, this Thanks is for a mile. Me. It's happy happy anniversary to one of your uh, crowning achievements of your very very varied and wonderful career, Dog Soldiers, which you co-produced. Um, and it still has legs to this day. People still love that movie, and it's its 20th anniversary. 10th anniversary. Isn't it 20? You're going to give away my age. Oh, well, I thought it was 2002. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I we're yeah. Okay, we're all getting older here, dude. You know, Nathan keeps calling me Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not getting no. old. That's the the deal, right, Big Red? Yeah, I, yeah. So, uh, so, so obviously, it's, it's a little bit bittersweet because it is 20 years. But how do you feel now that after all these years, people still reference this film, they still watch it, and they still love it? Oh, I'm grateful every time somebody new discovers it. Um, it was sort of trapped on Sci-Fi Channel for a while because. I think I told you last time, you know, it was the number one film in the UK up until Attack of the Clones came out. And then we tried to sell it here in America, but we tried to sell it right after 9-11. And so nobody wanted werewolves or anything. So we ended up selling it to a sci-fi channel for 15 years. So like just over, I think, don't quote me, but I think it was like $350,000 or something. It was like outrageously low. Um, wow. And they had it for 15 years. And that's kind of the reason why um, you didn't see, like, all the special editions that are now sort of, sort of popping up in the last few years um, because they had the rights. And they're owned by – Sci-Fi is owned by Universal, and it's just – you know, it's just uh, the lawyers mess everything up. So it's – we were kind of stuck with – you know, so we couldn't do anything with it. Um, but, I mean, Sci-Fi really wanted a sequel. They were throwing money at it um, <laughs> to do a sequel. I mean, I mean, Neil tried, tried to write a sequel. It was called Sea Wolves, which basically took place on a boat. Um, and Sci-Fi didn't like it. Um, and then I had my hand at it. Um, and I wrote, like, a prequel and two sequels. And Sci-Fi really responded to it, but they had one stipulation. They wanted it to be uh, American, put Americans in the movie somehow. That was like like their only thing. We had to have Americans in the movie. So that's where I came up with the concept that the movie, the sequel would take place right after the farmhouse blows up and and, uh, um, uh, Cooper has his fight with Ryan and then you know, uh, Cooper and, and, and the dog come out. And it was going to take place right there, and the American group that they were supposed to have the war games with shows up. Um, oh. And then, so, because I really, truly believe sequels should be, like, 
a continuation of the original story. You know, it should naturally, like Phantasm 2 and Halloween 2 and, and all those, but it just takes place right after the last movie. But the only issue I could see with that is Sean Pertwee kind of was peaking right when he did that movie. Would he have been willing to do a sequel? Uh, well, Cooper. you know, and also um, Neil, um, um, uh, you uh, Kevin the Kid, he he ended up on American television on um, oh, what's that medical show? Um, I think it's still on. Um, the Chicago. one with um, no, no, it's uh, it's on ABC. It's um, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, you got that show. Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, Grey's Anatomy. That's it. Okay. So. So he ended up doing that. So, um, you know, but he always said he, you know, would come back for a sequel. So, um, but, you know, like, like I said, it's 20 years. And at this point, much like the um, Halloween movies, it'd be just a cash grab at this point. Um, we, we really could have nothing to offer the fans unless they do a complete reboot. And, you know, that to me, again, is, a, is just um, trying to get a cash grab. But, I think it should know, be left alone at this point. I, I would tend to oh. agree because it kind of, in a weird way, was lightning in a bottle because there's a lot of very green people below the line on Dog Soldiers. And, you know, it, what was it, Neil Marshall's first film? And I heard rumor that it, this film was not without its drama behind the scenes either. Well, all all films have drama. We uh, just had more than usual. <laughs> wow. Um, well, you know what you know what it is is that there's just it's you know Neil was trying to sell the script for eight years, you know, and you know he he became married to it, you know, and he didn't want any changes. Um, and then, in my opinion, when you get so close to a project, you 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 can't see the problem. Like, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. There's no way he could have put the poster back before going down the hole. So that ruined the whole movie for me. It's like, ah, you, you can't do that. So it's like, you know, so, so, so nobody said, said, excuse me, <laughs> but how did he put the poster, you know, things like that. There's always plot holes and, and stuff. But he was, he was bound and determined to do it his way. And the other thing was is that, and this is no secret, he really – really didn't like the fact that it was American money making this film. It was very, very, very British. He wanted it, you know, to keep it very, you know, hometown. And, but, you know, it's eight years, nobody wanted it. And it's because it had problems. And, you know, it was my job to go in there and, 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 and try to, to try to fix it, you know, as a producer. Um, you know, so again, this drop. So, so, you know, someone's telling you your baby is ugly, <laughs> and of course you're gonna get, you're gonna get a, uh, you know, a, a bad response. And uh, I mean, we tried, but you know, ego comes into it, you know, and you know, and when you got an ego bigger than God, oh, I did not say that. <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, it was, and it, it was a clash of personalities. It was a bunch of people, to be honest, we had just started Kismet. This was the first film out of our company, and it all laid on my shoulders, and it was all like, 
if this film is not a success, it's your job. And they were like, werewolves? No, we don't want to do a werewolf movie. I mean, I had a hard enough time convincing that our first film should be a horror movie. But horror films make money. You know, it's it's that's that's what they do. I mean, you know, overseas, a douchebag needs something else. So you can't really say, so you can't go, well, comedy, you know, it's got to be really slapsticky and stuff. But horror, a scream is a scream, you know, a scare is a scare. And it translates better. And so you can, you can get better money, you know. And again, as a producer, I have to say, you know, that's, that's why we made them make movies, is, you know, so we get money to make another movie. Um <laughs> And so that was the sex, but he was very down and determined to do it his way. And you can't do that. That's why, um, you know, when I see films, like, unless it's somebody who really earned it, like George A. Romero or something, or, or John Carpenter's Halloween or something, who identified himself. When, it, when people say, like, it's um, Neil Marshall's Dog Soldier, well, it's not Neil Marshall's Dog Soldier. Yes, he directed it. He wrote it. But there's also the, the makeup people and everybody else. And, and, I, and, and you see things like um, a film by, film by all the people at the end of the movie, in my opinion. That's just, you know, so I try to treat, when I do a film, I treat everybody, you know, that they get their best and they do their best and, you know, and it's all part of the team. And unfortunately, the dog soldiers, it wasn't, well, except amongst the actors. And the, the actors really, really got together. But you have to understand the location conditions were horrible. Just mm. standing up proved to be difficult for them. They had all the army gear on. They're braving the elements. I mean, it snowed, and then it melted, and so the continuity sucked, and then it rained, and it was raining through most of the film. And... um. You know, they really acted like an actual squad would. You know, and 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 the the costume department, they 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 made sure the uniforms were right, that the bootlaces were done properly, the guns were being held in the correct position. You know, they really helped to make Neil's version vision um, special because they all believed in it. But there were so many fights on set because of clash clashes with just personalities and stuff. But, you so, know, yeah, but that's that is everything. one of the best things about the movie is the chemistry between the battalion is very strong. It feels like that they have been together for a long time. And this is a situation like you hardly know Bruce. Bruce is on camera. What? 15, not even that. I wouldn't even say 15 minutes of the movie. And when he dies, everyone feels it. You absolutely feel it. You know, uh, and then of course Spoon goes out in a blaze of glory. It's one of my favorite moments in the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's because they, you know we took time to, to, to develop the characters um, as much as we could. Now in the original script, you know there was um, I think he spent like the first thirty pages with them at the um, at the bar or the pub uh, watching the footy. You know, and and talking about you know their girlfriends and, and 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 things like that. Which, yes, that that's all nice and and fair. But this was not a soldier movie. This was a dog soldier movie. So we sort of had to trim that and and get it moving. 
Um, and, you know, as producers, and that's something I think Neil didn't understand at the time, having done other films now, I think maybe, hopefully he's developed a more sense of what, you know, of the, what, what a team does in a film. Um, but basically we had to, um, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> I, I forgot, what, what was I saying? <laughs> um, it's a group thing. It, that's all I wanted to get through. Is, is a group thing. And that he learned learned that, you know, through through his other films. That's all I'm trying, I guess I'm trying to say. The, the, I would say the only thing that was super risky on the Dog Soldier set when it came to Neil Marshall, and not taking away from Neil Marshall in any way, shape, or form, the kid is an auteur, um, is that he edited his own movie, and I always feel, and I feel about this about any film. I guess maybe I was saying I was biased because I started as an editor, and now I've been on the producing end of things that I always feel that the director and the editor should be two different people. Now, can they be in the same room together while the edit's happening? Absolutely. The relationship between editor and director is sacred. But I always feel like there should be a second set of eyes to edit a film. Well, again, it came down to the fact that we had to – um, he had he had the opportunity, which all directors do, to develop to, to do his director's cut and hand in his director's cut, and then you know, but that can't be the the the, the dead all set all either, you know. So mostly in Hollywood, we put okay, you deliver your director's cut, but then the producers get final cut because we have to sell the movie, we have to put it out there, and we have to do all the things, you know, we have to try to sell it. So we have to put the best product out there. Um, and the problem with Dog Soldiers, well, the director's cut was that, and this happens to a lot of writer-directors, is that they fall in love with their own dialogue and nothing can be cut. Everything is sacred. Mm-hmm. And, and so what we had to do, you know, is say, Neil, um, the werewolves look like drag queens. You, 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 we should have used minds instead of dancers. So when the werewolves are stalking, you know, the, the dancers are on stilts. And so they're moving in a very sachet way. And it's laughable. And, you know, I, just, I, I didn't just decide that. I, I wasn't being a hard ass and going, thanks, Neil, bye. So I'm going to do, do it my way now. No, no, we had a screening. I think we had two screenings of the director's cut. And, you know, I wish I had the notes in front of me. I would read them to you. People were laughing at, the, at, at, at so many things. And, oh, damn. You know, and, again, it was an, it was an American group. Um, it was an American audience test audience. Mean? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. It was an American test audience. But, but still, it, it's like, you know, if something's not working, it's not working. And, you know, he, he just wouldn't hear it. And that, to this day, he doesn't talk to me. Because he thinks I, you know, ruined his movie. That's not that that it at all. It's just that I had, you know, 30 people and then 40 people see the movie and they're all laughing at the same parts and stuff. And and, and so that's why when you watch the movie now, you'll see that, you know, you don't see the werewolves more than a few seconds. And the only time that they're really shown is at the end when they enter the, the house. Um, it's just because it didn't work. 
And the other thing was is that the werewolf heads didn't work, you know, uh, until the very last day. And then one of them, we got one of them to snarl. But they were supposed to wiggle their ears and snarl and, and communicate. You know, we had scenes where the werewolves were, like, talking to each other to communicate. But it didn't work. It, it's because the heads didn't work. So it's just, it's basically these, these dead animatronic heads looking at each other. And then would you remind us... Would you remind us how much money was spent on the werewolves? Well, it was it was thirty thousand. I want to say dollars, but it may have been pounds. Thirty thousand pounds of dollars um, for each head, and we had six of them. Oh my god! Damn. They didn't work. They didn't work. And then, as you see, you know, the heads, the, the, these 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 dancers and stuff. They had these werewolf heads on, but they're, they're heavy because it was. The, um, the structure was not like light aluminum. It was heavy steel, I think it was. And so, you know, they're lugging this on, and they're, they're, they're asked to perform, and they're asked to do the stuff, and so and they can't really see very well. And it, it, just, it just, you know, but it, it's nobody's fault, you know, and it's nobody's, you know, and I think we made it work, but, you know, uh, it had to be done. It's like Jaws. It was made in editing. Oh, that's just what I was saying. It reminds me of Bruce the shark, you know. He never worked. He worked only a minimum amount of the time, but they still got a great movie out of it. Right. I think think it was a better movie because Bruce didn't work. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know Spielberg would have relied on that shark 100%. He would have seen so much of that shark had it worked. Because he falls in love with his effects, which is fine. Now, again, I'm not, that's not derogatory. He just, he does. He falls in love with his effects, and you see more. And that's why, to your point about the, uh, the editor, is that, um, yeah, the director should, shouldn't uh, edit his own films. Because, again, back to my thing, where it's writers and writer-directors tend to, to become very possessive. Um, and, yeah, it's their vision. So it's sort of a you got to play ping pong with that, but at some point they may not see the error of their ways. And with all the the, the the conflict that there was, and and not liking each other, and and one person making stupid comments, the other person taking it personally, and I mean, the, the crew the crew and the actors felt the, the tension at one point. I was I was talking to one um which one was talking but just that they they they, they would like it was like well, who who's wrestling today huh. and it was just it really just comes down to ego but that's not that's a Hollywood thing it's inexperience and like you said this was our this was our first production it couldn't go wrong it couldn't go wrong and I didn't care if I hurt any feelings because you can't you can't you can't take anything personally. Because um, I know what it is. I write, and I, I, I produce my own stuff, mainly because it's cheaper that way. I don't have to pay a writer. <laughs> you know, it's like, because, but I do low budget. This was, I think it was just a little over a million pounds to make. Um, so, you know, and we had to build the farmhouse, and there was, there was a lot of expense put in there. Because we all believed in, in, in Neil's vision. I mean, 
You know, this was his baby. And I like that. I like making people's dreams come true. That's why all of my directors, except for a couple, were like first-time directors. Um, because they're more likely to give you more because they, this is their calling card. You know, again, that's the producer's hat. And, you know, and I don't mean to be exploitive, but, you know, I, I have to go on and make another film. And they hopefully will go on and make another film, too. So, Anyway, that was some rambling, but um, it got made. I mean, you know, it was it was done. And then, of course, the whole thing was 9-11, and it was sort of like, you know, this film is not getting a break. Like it's like, like you said, people were catching it on, on uh, Sci-Fi, and they're like, oh, you have to watch this movie, and you have to watch this movie. And it was the number one film for Sci-Fi for the longest time. That's why they were throwing money at us for a sequel. They were like, oh, we want a sequel, we want a sequel. Um, well, people but, are still you know, talking fighting sequel, the you know, with the, I was going to say with the anniversary yesterday, uh, lots of people mentioning it on Twitter and lots of people tweeting, yo, where's my sequel? Or, you know, I'm still a believer. We're going to get a sequel. But it sounds like uh, that is, sir, not going to be appearing anytime soon. <laughs> no, not, not unless some people die. <laughs> <laughs> and the rights was reversed off or something. It's it's mainly the oh lawyers and, and 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 there was a struggle between the producer and the director. The you know and there's just and so there were hard feelings and you know um, and yeah. you know I mean I was heartbroken because I put a lot of work into this. You know and then you have you know basically I don't want to say ungrateful but you have somebody who didn't appreciate the opportunity they were given because, and, and again, I don't want to be that guy, but if you listen to the director's commentary, when my name comes up on, on the screen, he goes, who's that? Oh, you know, wow. Just, yeah. It's like, well, a little bitch. I made, I made your movie. I got your movie made, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and again, well, you I, were involved in editing too. 11 other films. Right. Exactly. Huh. Well, that's just it. He was just being, being a dick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it was just, it was a dick move. And, uh, and I remember one of the, the producer I was working with, um, he wrote a long scathing email to him saying, you know who that is? That's the person that got your career started, you know? And I felt nice. good about it. I was like, well, thank you. You didn't have to do that. Cause I don't really care what he thinks. Cause you can't, yeah. you know, so I thought, what everybody thought of me, I'd never get anything done. Um, but, uh, you know, but, you know, that, you know, it was, it, it was an experience and, you know, you learn a lot from each film. And that, like I said, everyone has problems on the set and, you know, it was an experience on, on everybody's behalf. I mean, you know, I had only done one film before that and that was Sleep Stalkers. And that was in 94, 95 when it came out and then there, I had a five year hiatus uh, because um, the, the Luigi Singolani, the producer I was working with at, at, at Intrazone, which is was convinced that movies were dead and the new thing was video games. And I had to agree. I'm oh a huge video game player. So we did two video games for live entertainment, um, Speed Racer and Radical Rick. But then I think I told you last time, um, uh, the studio was run by Jose Menendez and his 
sons decided to shoot him and his mother, his wife, yeah. one day. And so <laughs> then the whole the whole thing turned, and the people that came in thought that video games were a fad. So I have these two video games oh. sitting in a sitting somewhere or buried in the Nevada desert, like E.T., and they were decent games for the time. This was 98, 97, 98. So, you know, it was 3D graphics. It was, you know, we had uh, members of Guns N' Roses did the theme song for Speed Racer. I mean, it was quality stuff. So that was heartbreaking. So um, I actually ended up having to get a job at Toys R Us for three Christmases. So I've done my time in the town before I joined Kismet and we did dog films. Um, and, you know, you, you take the, the little jobs that you can, you know, between between films. And luckily I worked steady since then. But, you know, it was a five it was a five year break between films. So I was a little rusty. Um, you know, I mean I was still reading scripts for the studios and I was still doing a lot of stuff. Uh, to, to keep my, my feet in, but I had to pay the rent, so I ended up getting a job at Toys R Us and run the Pokemon League on Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, and, but, but I enjoyed it. You know, the, we, were, we, were next, we, were near, we were in Burbank, so we were near Warner Brothers, and I remember when, um, oh, I, I'm so bad at names, the director of Iron Giant, um, oh, he came oh, in and he uh, thought, he bought Bird. up all of the yeah Brad Bird yeah 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 he bought up Brad Bird that's it he bought all of the Toys of Us or all the um, Iron Iron Giant toys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember you know helping them get those and stuff, but you know so you you see you got to meet people and it was still fun and Cameron Diaz used to come in all the time. She was really nice and uh, you know, so, so it was it was cool. It was like, it was like three years, but it was kind of, you know, three years wasted, you know. Um, but you just have to do what you have to do to pay the rent, you know, because Dog Soldiers didn't. Yeah. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Then we went into Dog Soldiers. Um, I, you know, the, 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 the company said, we're starting a company, you know, start reading scripts. And I went through like 300 scripts before I found Dog Soldiers. Um, so, you know. And you, you have a ton of production and pre-production art and uh, stills and what have you that no one has hit you up for for the 20th anniversary. I know um, there's a new book coming out, uh, Sausages, The Making of Dog Soldiers. And uh, the people behind that, the people behind the, uh, the Shout Factory – uh, version uh, that's coming out shortly here. They haven't touched all the material that you have, right? No, no, no. I mean, yeah, it, basically, basically, I think what happened is they took the 4K print that was done in Germany and purchased it. Mm. I, I, I don't know that as a fact, but I think it's the same print. Um, okay. Because it's very bare bones. It's everything that was on the original Blu-ray. Um. So I think it comes with a 4K disc, and then it comes with the Blu-ray disc that they put out before. Um, Okay. And, you know, but again, I'm going to say this again. The film was filmed in Super 16. That was a choice that Neil made, and it was one of the compromises that we made. But that's a grainy film footage, a film stock. So 
it's not so the more you clean it up, the less it's it's gonna be like it was meant to be. I think actually in my opinion the best version of that on home video was the original D V D release. That's the best that mm. film's ever looked. Because after that it went to like Fox video and they screwed up you know, we were filming day for night. So there's like a blue um blue uh gel across, you know, so it looks like night, but uh-huh. it's really day. And, you know, that was very carefully color corrected. So when we went in there, you know, and, and so these, these companies, they just, they just take it and they put it out. They don't do anything. So it was just so blue. Mm. It was like it was unwatchable for some of these, wow. some of these versions and it was stuff like that. But then I heard that they, they couldn't find the print. And I'm like, what do you mean they can't find the print? I have the print. I, you know, I have Neil's sure. uh, uh, director's cut. Now, granted, the director's cut is on VHS because it was just before DVD really took off, you know, so everybody was still doing VHS. In fact, I think in France, we only released VHS. Gosh, I still have all that stuff. But yeah, I have all of this stuff. Mostly I saved from the garbage, you know, because it was like they were just growing VHS tapes out of the dailies. I mean, film students would probably love to see, you know, and, and I'm sure some of the fights were captured. That'd be interesting. And there's just so much, so much to see. And I'm sorry, you know. But see, I have to be honest with you guys. I, I have, you know, I got paid a salary. I don't have any stake in the, in the movie, so I don't see any, any more money from it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's not to my benefit to hold back this stuff or anything. It's like, I want the fans to see it. I mean, I love the fans. When they come to, like, the convention and they show me their tattoos, the werewolves, and, you know, and, and stuff like that, it's exciting. And, you know, I, I would want to, you know, a, a dog soldier's hat or something or mer- some merchandise, you know. And, uh, but all that stuff locked up. You know, it's, it's, it's the right. So that book, um, I think it's either going to be, and again, I don't mean to be swarmy about it, but it's either going to be a love letter to Neil, because I think the, the writer only had access to him, uh-huh. or it's going to be an unauthorized, and you better buy it now because it's going to be taken off the market. I mean, I know, I, I, oh, right. I think there's a hard copy of the book, but... I could only get it on Kindle. It, uh, the Amazon wasn't offering it um, as a hard hard copy. You could only get it for the Kindle. Um, huh. But it doesn't come out till Friday, so I don't want to comment on it because I, on, you know, I don't know what's in it. But nobody talked to right. me. So, <laughs> I mean, so I know that it's probably a love letter to Neil and whatever deal. But, again, it's got to be unauthorized because I can't see – the producer that owns the rights giving giving access to it, especially after everything that went down. Mm. So it'd be it's interesting. That's why I ordered it. You know, it's, and we'll we'll see. But I I I I, I don't know what's going to have because I have I have the um, the uh, the dailies and the director's cut and um oh, uh, the storyboard all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Damn. Um, but if if uh, Shout Factory came to you and said, "Hey, for the 25th, 
we're going to do a big Bafo thing, you'd be down. For the fans, I would. I would give them everything they hear. You know, it's not going to do me any good sitting in my closet. <laughs> you know, so I'd rather the fans have it. And um, right on. You know, COVID kind of killed all the convention stuff for a while, so I haven't really gone out there. Um, but it's so much fun meeting them and just knowing how it inspired. And with my other films, when they come up, you know, and they say, hey, I love the creature in Cemetery Gates and made me want to make monsters. And could you look at my portfolio? What do you think? And there's some amazing stuff. And it's just, it's just, there's such good people out there. Horror fans are like the best, you know, it's just, you know, they, 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 some of them come off kind of creepy, but they're the ones with the biggest heart, you know, it's like creepy, but sweet. That's Nathan to a T. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're just, they're just great people, but, you know, anyway, um, I can't so say anything Brian, bad let's, about let's the fans. Ex- let's expand this a little bit because um, okay. the Sexy Witches, you were talking about you were talking about horror fans, and I've been doing now, and this will be my 15th year of an annual, and you were on the show one year for this, um, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness, which is my oh. annual Halloween <laughs> film-watching competition. Um, we are going to have our 15th year, and this year we are doing folk horror. And because Dog Soldiers takes place in the woods, it actually will get a bonus point for folk horror. Um, and um, I was wanting to know, besides your own body of work, which is a very interesting body of work. I mean, heck, you've had to deal with people just because you wrote the Anne Rand movies. Uh, but what are some of your favorite? Since you 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 lived in the UK for a while and you know the the stories, that what are some of your favorite folk horror movies that and have any of them influenced your writing? You know, I, the, the, the phone cut out. What was the last part of that? What are my favorite? What <laughs> folk horror movies? You lived in you lived in the UK for a while, so you know. Right, I would assume we that were, you. Yeah, because I I we're trying to get the locations for a couple of films that I'm doing with my my uh, my film partner um, Jason Davitt. Um and I went out there and you know to start the film company, and I. You know, I think I'm 18. I just, I, I, I overdid it, and I really hurt myself. So I'm actually back just recently because I have to have like these major surgeries because I think that I have, I can lift kegs of beer and I can run up and down stairs, you know, with, with abandonment and and you know I could do all this stuff and and it just all collapsed on me. So right now I'm I'm kind of in a health situation um we but the, but you know obviously the uk is so rich with you know their own myths and magic and you know and stuff like that um and such beautiful you know locations and and they don't have they don't have the um oh, how do i put this without being rude <laughs> like i know how to do that um <laughs> they don't have all that like they're not hollywood jaded like they are here. Like, oh, we're filming a movie. Oh, is my car going to be in that shot? I want $100. You know, in the U.K., they're like, go ahead, shoot whatever you want. You want to go in here? Go ahead. You know, they're really cool about it. And so, you know, during COVID, I was like, you know, let's, you know, I, you know, I've done as much, I think, as I can here. 
let's try a, a different country. Plus, I loved it during during Dog Soldiers. Um, and it, like I said, it's just there's so many great locations. Like one of the films that we want to get off the ground, Frax, takes place, you know, underground for the most part. And uh, they have some wonderful World War II bunkers that were drilled into the mountainsides and stuff. And people were just like, yeah, go ahead, use it. You know, and it's like very cool. Um, but it's all, it all comes down to money now. It all comes down to, okay, we got these great locations. We can make the movie for X amount of money. Because here's the thing. I'm going to go on a tirade. So, you know, talk amongst yourselves. But basically, <laughs> basically, streaming has killed profitability in films. Unless you're one of the studios and the studios own the uh, streaming services, and they don't pay. So basically, you have to make a film now at a certain budget. If you're an independent producer, you, you, you're not going to raise the money that you used to raise. So you've got to be much, much more clever. Um, and you have to, because I was told by my distributor, don't make a film over $75,000, $100,000 if you can help it, so <laughs> you won't see a profit. None of my films are that much. <laughs> I think the most expensive yeah, well, one that I've produced is thirty. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, and 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 look how fast it went, right? It's like and you were scrimping on everything. Well, there were no, to be there were fair, no my director Jason Trost for made two films for that for twenty thousand dollars. So you know. <laughs> yeah, it could it could be done. I did. Yeah. I did films. You know, Cemetery Gates was supposed to be my, my epic monster movie, and we had to put the movie towards this other, our money towards this other movie before then, which ended up being such a bomb. And um, so the money had to come from somewhere, so it came out of the Cemetery Gates budget. And so by, by the time we were done, I think it was only like $200,000, $250,000 that we had. And, uh, and the monster suit cost about thirty forty thousand. dollars 40000 So... Um, I said, wow. you know what? I'm going to rewrite the script, and it's just going to be a kill fest. Let's see how many people we can kill in 90 minutes. And I only made it to 17. I wanted to do an even 20, but we couldn't. <laughs> but we also got some great cameos from, you know, some, some genre people, and Reggie Bannister was in it, and Peter Stickles was one of his first movies, and then he went on to do, like, Short Bus and a bunch of other films. So wow. it was fun. I, I, the Cemetery Gates has to be my favorite film to have done. Um, and then nice. movie Basement Jack would be second. Just because we didn't have the money, so we had fun. You know, it's like, well, we don't have the money for that, so, you know, we used 80 gallons of blood. You know, it was, it was great. It was like, let's just have fun. And you know what? It ended up being a far more successful film than, than the previous film that we put all the money into. You know, and, um, you know, so you, so you never know. You know, every film is a miracle. Congratulations. I mean, you know, just to get it in the can and showing, like, um, it's just, you know, unless it's a sequel to something or it's based on a property, people don't want to look at it anymore because nobody wants to take a chance. That's why you're seeing all the I, I don't think movies. it's people don't want to look at it anymore. I think it's just hard to find these films because the way the streaming services are set up now, everything's fractured. You don't know where to go, which platform it's on, you know, do, and uh, you know, people are going to pay a monthly subscription to watch one movie. 
they're just not going to do it. You know, it, it, yeah. it, 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 I, it's it's crazy. Like when when the I and I've been talking about this since I saw it starting to happen. I mean, I I I am a huge hockey fan, for example, but I'm not going to pay a subscription to ESPN Plus for one season of one sport because I don't watch any other sports. You know, it it, it makes no sense, and it, and it's terrible that you know the films get buried. Now that being said, thank God for platforms like Tubi. Uh, you know, that, yeah. you can find these B movies and the lower budget ones. Now it has to, it, you know, I I don't know how it works for pay because obviously by the time they're on Tubi, the movie's been out for a while or it's on the festival circuit. But at least these movies can be found. And but the problem is, you still need word of mouth to tell people these films are on the platforms. You know, well, uh, Tubi Tubi has ads. So, you know, not, not that many. They interrupt the movie maybe two or three times. But now Tubi's making their own film. They yeah, I know. Titanic 666, oh, which I don't know is – I haven't seen it yet, so I don't know if it's any good. Um, and then they're doing another one. But it's also – but the, the, the biggest fracture in streaming is horror films. There's like 20 different horror streaming films. Yeah. There's, there's Shudder. And then there's one called Reveal, and then there's um, Screen TV, and then there's there's like 20 different ones, Halloween movies, you know. And it's like most of them, most of them get these, um, um, uh, what you call it, um, uh, public domain films from the 30s uh-huh. and 40s, you know. Like I don't know about this Reveal. It's uh, it's top indie horrors on reveal that's a new one you know and they, they keep they, they keep piling them on and so you know and and they're not paying they're just they're just not they're not not paying because before if i wanted to get like pre-sale which i don't think exists anymore or are very rare is like i could go and sell asia and russia and those territories ahead of time take that money and make the movie they don't do that anymore because it's not. There's no longer a guarantee. Uh, the know. stylist so, was, so you, so you, was sheer luck that it did as well as it did. Um, it, 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 you know, Jill give give our now I can't say her name. Jill Six give our the director. Um, she put it on the festival circuit and she got a hit from the Fright Fest in England. And of course, the major distributor out of there is Arrow. And Arrow bought the right. film. I mean, it, 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 it was kids, you know, I don't like to use kids for you, sir, because of the connotations there. But, you know, it was just a complete and utter surprise that Arrow picked it up. And then, but then, like, it's like nobody has an Arrow. Like, Arrow is $49 a year, right? So nobody has Arrow except for maybe myself because I'm into cult movies. Um, and then, like, uh, but Apple TV picked it up for a buck. You know, <laughs> so uh, yeah. basically, I I I I just you know tell everybody I know it's a dollar. Go on Apple TV, watch the damn thing. You know, but now that it's on Shutter, I think more people are gonna see it. Um, so you know, and that that's a, a good thing too. Uh, my friend who was on the last show, Jeremiah Kip, um, he, he he's been making films for a long time, and he finally has one that's been distributed after all these years. That it was Flatface. 
Um, and it's on Shutter, and it's led to his next film, which he's making right now. We're actually just going to strap on. Uh, you know, it, it, it's almost like to get a film seen, it's like luck. There's an element of luck in there. Mm. Well, it's luck, but there's also there's also one thing that didn't die with the the in the the uh, event, uh, sorry uh, the um, the advent of uh, streaming services is film festivals. You know that's where you need to get your film seen. You know because of word of mouth. Well, and it's I think that actually of... worked for Fantastic Fest, and it was a weird side effect of COVID. Fantastic Fest, usually nobody can get to except for some, because it's in Austin, right? Um, but that year that the stylist got picked up for Fantastic Fest was the, as a COVID year, and it was on streaming, and more people saw it. And I think that's how it got picked for Fright Fest. So, I mean, it, it, it's kind of like COVID actually was a, not, a, I don't think, a positive force for good, but it gave people more access to film festivals that wouldn't have normally had them. I mean, heck, even even the virtual fest for Comic-Con did really well because of that. Right, Aaron? Yes, indeed. Yeah, so, so maybe there's some hope yet. Maybe the virtual film festival is the way people get to see these films. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my, my friend Walter Rivero, he, he and um, his buddy Gary, they did a film called Plaga Zombie American Invasion. Uh, there's been like three Plaga Zombie movies released by Troma, and uh, they did for literally no money. They did a sequel, and they've got digital effects, and they've got... So, and it's it's a great movie. It has a vibe of uh, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes for zombie movies. It's like there's there's, uh-huh. there's, there's just this wicked humor to it, but it's it's so well done. It's done with love, and yeah, it's called Saga Zombie American Invasion, and I loved it. I was like, oh my god, this film must have cost. No, they were like, no, it hasn't. But they had trouble finding distribution. It, they, yeah. You know, it's it's just it it, it 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 and it's easy. Well, you know, people come up to me all the time and they go, you know, when I get out of film school, I'm gonna and I'm going. Why are you wasting your money on film school? Go out, get yourself a camera, and just start shooting. Develop your style because really, film school is just going to give you maybe you'll meet some people and and stuff like that. But they're only going to teach you the basics. They can't teach you talent. They can't teach you style unless you want to mimic somebody else. And then they'll go, oh, that's a Spielberg shot. Oh, that's a Kubrick shot. So I'm saying get your camera, get 10 friends, and, and, make, and make a movie. And, and, and then get it on YouTube um, because that's where everybody goes now. I swear. It's just, I don't want to say stupidest thing, but it's like, People just go to YouTube and they go, oh, you know, I, you know, and they, it's got a uh, hundred thousand hits, and then the studios pay attention to you. <laughs> it didn't used to be that way, it's, you know. It's, it's, so it's it's different, but kids have a kid. Young filmmakers have such an opportunity now that we never had, you know, where I didn't have back, you know, when films were still going to theaters and there was no home video. Um. So, you know, it's such a great adventure. But I'm just saying, you know, if you're going to do it, do it. 
don't, that's don't the, sit in class and dream about it. I mean, and, and the people you know. in, in film schools usually don't watch the films that we like. You know, uh, they, sure, they've seen Shazam, uh, which I can't diss on because my friend was camera operator in that movie. And but, I love Shazam. But, I oh, absolutely. Was, well but, yeah. but, they, but they wouldn't have seen the FP, which is the same camera operator, right? So, you know, it, you know they won't, they don't, you know, it, they might know, let's say, A Nightmare on Elm Street for history reasons, for, but they definitely haven't seen any other Robert England films. You can't tell them about, you know, the Starlight Murders. They're like, what is that? Right. You know, they're not going to know. Uh, they don't really right. care. It's you, you know the best way to do a horror film is just to grab a bunch of your, like you said, grab a bunch of your friends and fucking do it. I had to do a panel once where that was like, well, how do you make your first horror film? And I'm like, I didn't actually want the panel to talk about how to make your first horror film. I just wanted them to talk about what they did on set and everything that went wrong. Because when you do your first one, you're going to make mistakes, but that's okay. You just get out there and you do it and you learn from your mistakes and you always go, you, you, you always reach for the next one. And that's what the panel was doing. They were talking about like what it was like to be on set, how to deal with people, how to deal with, you know, you know, the, the camera exploding at one point, you know, things like that. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Disaster after disaster, but that's that's part of the magic. It's like when it all finally comes together and there's an audience watching your film and they react like you wanted to. It was worth everything. It really, it's just like a awesome. magical moment. And I think that's what you know is the Pied Piper to so many people. They want that 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 high that that thing, you know. But you know, Hollywood is just it's it's such a desperate town, you know, and it's. It's it's so rough. You know, I was lucky because I stayed independent. I didn't get into the studio system. You know, I was able to do the films I wanted to do. And the great thing about making a horror film, as long as you're honest, as long as you're not lying to your audience, they're going to forgive the cheap budget. You know, they're going to they're gonna forgive the cardboard uh, tombstones. Like in Cemetery Gates, we had styrofoam um uh, tombstones in, in, in the middle of a field. It was like, but, you know, we shot it tight and we shot it fast. And, you know, unless I point it out, people go, oh, yeah. It's like dog soldiers. It's like if I don't point out that the werewolves are holding on to the ceiling in the kitchen to steady themselves, you wouldn't notice that. It's, yeah, it's well, to be magic, right? Uh, and I just moved to Georgia. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this this is the town of independent film. I mean, there's so much of it going on around here. It's actually kind of amazing. Like, this, this town thrives on it, practically. And these are all small films, small budgets, but the magic happens here. So it's kind of neat. I, it, I actually am really glad that I live here and not Los Angeles. Because, you know, a lot of people make the big move Los Angeles and get disheartened pretty quickly. I know no matter what, a product's going to be made. It might not be great, but it'll be, it'll, it'll lead to the next product, you know, it'll lead to the next it'll production. And yeah. it'll, yeah, exactly. It's, it's heartfelt and earnest. Earnest is really the word I like to use. It's earnest. Like they're, they're making a valiant effort to do something. And there's so much talent in this town. And I'm really excited to be part of it now. Well, there's no reason to go to L.A. anymore. 
they don't make movies there anymore. And with uh, the advent of our uh, laptops and cell phones and, you know, um, I helped make a movie from my bedroom in the U.K. with uh, 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 um, friends of mine. It was like, you know, I never would have thought of that 10 years ago. Like, I just, you know, they sent me stuff on uh, dailies. I made comments. They went in. They edited it. And, you know, I, you know, when I first started in 1990, when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, you had to be there. If you wanted to make it, you had to go to L.A. Um, but now you don't. And Georgia is such a wonderful place to shoot. We were going to, I think at one point we were thinking of doing um, Death Valley in Georgia. Um, but we got a better deal in New Mexico. Um, huh. But, um, you know, you, you got to look for the tax purposes and, and stuff like that, too. So. You know, well, New Mexico again, is a pretty good place for film, too. I mean, I can't take yeah, it. I lived in both you, places. So it, it, Georgia or New Mexico would be, if I if I had a budget and anything I wanted to do, those would be the two states I'd look in, honestly. So I don't have any money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, New Mexico was was great. Although I, I, I guess I didn't go to class that day, but I didn't know that it was cold in the desert at night. It's so very now, cold there it. and windy too. I don't know if you was it windy because I live yeah, there. I know it's it's so fucking windy there. <laughs> so. I know and I didn't know, so I like froze. Uh, and we were on an Indian, uh, in, uh, sorry, Native American, sorry, <laughs> uh, Native American uh, um, uh, property. And um, at the end of the movie of uh, Death Valley, there's supposed to be this big car crash and da da da. And uh, the, 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 the chiefs and stuff came to us and they go, well, what are you going to do? Well, we're going to blow up that car. Uh, no, you're not. So if you see the movie, it just basically the car goes off the hill. It's like, well, there you go. And to make digital effects of the explosion, it was too much money. It's like, eh. <laughs> well, that's the compromises that you make, you know. Um, what part of New Mexico was that? Uh, I knew you were going to ask that. Like, it, was, uh, it was 15 years ago. I don't remember. Uh, it was. Um, <laughs> damn it! It was. It was a reservation. You know, it'll come to me. It'll come. To me. But um, it was, was it the, the four corners part. region? I don't. I don't remember. I remember we had to drive a really okay. long way to get to a Walmart. Somebody <laughs> needed pants and a jacket. That's New Mexico. Yeah, I was gonna say that's 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 a that's the uh, normal Tuesday in New Mexico. I I have to like to to go to the store. We actually would all gather into one car and go and do our errands all together because it would just take all day to get to town. So <laughs> it's just how it works out there. Um, Georgia though, it's 45 minutes to anything from anywhere around here, but there is a lot of civilization. There's a dollar right. general and around I'm a the city corner. Boy. I like both. I, I like the city too. together, and I panic. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I need buildings. So. Well, I like I'm both. I'm with you. Oh well, you're an LA boy. Speaking of LA, that's right. Yeah, so yeah, I mean. He actually likes living in Orange County, California. Okay. Hell but yeah. That's not LA. That's Orange County. True. I lived on yeah, Wilcox but I'm right on the border. Boulevard. 
<laughs> yeah, I was just right. there well, this there's week. There's a border and between I'll... hell and purgatory, too. <laughs> fair. Right okay, fair. <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, but I lived in the heart of Hollywood, Wilcox and Hollywood Boulevard, where the homeless would turn over shopping carts and cook meat on the bottom of the shopping cart. Yep, yep. That the rafts would fall out of trees onto tourists, which I enjoyed the hell out of. I used to sit on the roof of my apartment building, and I used to watch, you know, the tourists go by and the rafts, you know, because they climb up the palm trees, you know, to be safe oh, yeah. and, 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 and to be warm and stuff. But I, when it starts getting windy, they get sh- shaken out, and they fall on oh the tourists. God. And I laugh oh and laugh yeah. and laugh. We <laughs> lived on St. Andrews, and uh, among the other things that were the cultural awakenings for a, a poor boy from Orange County, uh, having a metal detector and security guard full-time at the grocery store, and then walking over the sleeping uh, heroin addicts, the hypes, in the uh, doorway to your apartment. That was that was a new experience for me at the time. Oh, you met George and Daniel. <laughs> I know those guys. Hey, the 80s were fun, man. <laughs> no, um, yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad because, you know, these kids, they, they, they believe everything they see on TV, so they show up in L.A., and then they're homeless within two weeks. So all their money's gone. Yep. They can't go back home because they, you know, they told their parents, yeah, I'm going to Hollywood and stuff like that. And it's just, it's so depressing. It's like, so I tell people, I'm like, listen, if you love your children, don't let them go to L.A., let them do it here. And if there's not a film community here, freaking start one. Right because on. Because all good material will get, will get seen. You know? And I tell, you know, I talk to kids. Um, well, kids. I always call them kids because I guess I'm so old. Um, these kids <laughs> on Facebook and stuff where they want to start a film career. And I'm going, oh, do you really want to do that? Because I don't want to discourage them, but it's like the competition is just, you know, you don't want to go to L.A. You don't need to. You really don't need to. And if it's good enough, L.A. will come to you. Believe me, you'll get a call from some agent or some producer, you know, because I've seen some amazing things on Facebook. And I contact these people, and I say, hey, I watched your thing. And then people are telling me, oh, you shouldn't do that because they think you're stalking them. I go, then what if they put it on Facebook? for me to look at them, you know? Right. I just want to help. So that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Like I was talking, I was talking to this young um, uh, uh, writer, uh, and I think he was out of Alabama or something like that. And, you know, we were having a pretty, and then he asked me out of the blue, he goes, are you grooming me? And I'm like, what's oh, grooming? Oh, God. I, did, I didn't know what grooming was. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, like, are you trying to get with me? And I'm like, oh, well, I'm not trying to get with you. What, what is this about? And I, I did, you know, I was just thought I was being helpful. So it's a strange world now. I'm like, oh, geez, that's Boy, wow. And it's another thing too. Is like, you know, I type for a living, and now that my hands are busted, I can't really type. You know, I, I can't type at all, to be honest with you. Um, so I say, wow. you know, do you want to call me through Messenger? We can talk about your script. And, oh, no, man, I don't do that. You don't talk on the phone? <laughs> like, I never thought I'd get to this age where, you know, it's like I didn't understand what these kids were talking about. 
And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. no why, why would you think that? <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's, so everything's so weird now. Just, you know, you got to be careful. You just got to be, you know. Yeah. Because you try to be helpful and you just, you know. Well, to be fair, there's again. a lot of creeps out there that use film as an excuse to oh, there are. people. A friend of mine was telling me today that he was he went to meet with a producer and the guy roofied him. What the Whoa. hell? And he had a he had a stumble out of his house, or out of the guy's house, um, and, and and to flag someone down. I'm going, holy Jeffrey Dahmer, that's that's scary. Yeah. yeah. So, Damn. you know, it's, it's so, you know, because young people always be young people. They're trusting, you know, and it's like, God, you know, to, to do that. Anyway, uh, I'll go on a tangent, but it just it really disturbed me because I was like, wow, that's sad. Anyway, let's talk about happier things. More about me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have any uh, do you have any projects you're currently working on that you can talk about? Right. Well, Jason and I are working on uh Frax and uh Hexpress, which is a witchy ghost story in the vein of uh Lucio um Dar- Dario Gento and uh, Fol- uh Fulci. Uh sorry. Huh. You know, I'm not taking right. medication. Oh. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm not <laughs> it's just I'm on like narco, and it's like hmm, the pop can is laughing at me. It's it's, it's sad. But anyway, oh God. Um, so I'm sorry if I. How long ago was your body. surgery? Uh, last Tuesday. Oh. Wow. I have like yeah, a nine-inch. I have a nine-inch like huge scar from my elbow. I've had my both of my um, palms of my left and right hand cut. Because um, I have no sensation Yikes. in my hands. I can't type. I can't, you know, except my right index finger, which is good because that's my, that's my picking nose. Picking nose uh, <laughs> digits. So if that went, I'd be dead. You know, it's like oh, God. all my fun would be gone. I mean, I can still hold my Switch and play video games, so I'm not dead to the world yet. But, yeah, it, it was pretty – I don't need to I – don't, I, I don't need to be – searching for sympathy, but it was, yeah, I really hurt myself. <laughs> like, because I guess, like I said, I thought I was 18 still, and I could do things, you know, because in the UK, a 17-year-old can work at pubs and hotels and stuff, as long as they don't drink or something. So I'm trying to keep up with this 17-year-old. Because <laughs> I'm okay. an idiot. Oh, you know, get better so. for sure. And, you know, Narco, Fulci, it's not mutually exclusive. <laughs> what happened when you broke up again? I said that being on Narco and Lucio Fulci isn't necessarily mutually exclusive. It probably no, shouldn't no. be mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because then I, I look in the mirror and I'm suddenly barfing up sheep guts. Oh well. Yeah. Like in Watch City out for those maggot storms. <laughs> you know? Oh God. Oh, what I wouldn't give for a maggot storm right now. <laughs> now or question. Earlier on in the interview, you mentioned a movie that I absolutely love and you don't hear talked about nearly enough, and that's Sleep Stalker. I was wondering if you had any good 
stories or anecdotes or anything from the making of that movie? Uh, yeah, the opening is all a model. Um, a lot of people have freaked out by that. Oh, that was a model? Um, that was another interesting thing, because that was my first movie producing. And, you know, so I'm just sort of trying to be like, you know, the good guy and stuff. But the writer and director of that, um, Al Sefian and Turi Meyer, um, you know, they were very they were listening to me and they were like, you know, because the one thing that they didn't quite grasp was that monsters have to be sympathetic at some point. Dracula, okay, he cursed God because he thought God killed his wife and so he was cursed. So there's a sympathy there. Godzilla, it's his fault they put up buildings in Tokyo where he used to live. Frankenstein, Frankenstein's monster even says, you know, death is better. He didn't ask to be reborn. So there has to be a sort of a, some sympathy to the monster because um, we all aren't born monsters. We become monsters. I think that's just the mm. human thing. So when, so when they created Sleep Stalker, they, it also, they didn't have any rules for the Sandman either. Like, okay, if I say, how do you kill Dracula? Well, Stake through the heart, sunlight, running water, um, thorny bushes, if you believe satanic rites of Dracula. Um, that's another way to, to kill Dracula. You know, so there's rules. And, and you can't break the rules until you establish the rules. And so there was no rules for the, the Sandman. Like, the, he just becomes the Sandman. And so I was trying to convince them. Like, you got to put a scene. So there's a scene in the movie where he puts the, he's in the jail going after um, Jay's character and he puts his hand through running water and the sand sort of disappears. Um, you know, that was their compromise. But again, I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but at that point they got, they, they wrote Leprechaun too. Okay. And they got the writing gig mm. during we were developing Sleep Stalker. And so the, I forget which one. It's probably Turi. Turi turned to me. You know, we wrote Leprechaun too. Why are we even listening to you? <laughs> and wow. Like, that question answers itself. Yeah. It's <laughs> yep. Like, okay. And, 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 and to his credit, Luigi spoke up and he was like, you know, he's trying to give you a better movie. Why, why, you know, what's the problem here? Well, you know, he, he keeps changing everything we do and, See, this is, this is the bad part of being in, in story development. You, you have no friends. You have no friends. And I don't know why I stuck with it as long as I did. Because I started off as a, 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 a literary agent. Then I was a talent agent, which is a whole other horror story. Then, um, mm. you know, then I met Luigi and started producing films. And in between there, I was reading for the studios, and I worked on The Firm and um, – uh, what was the other films I worked on? Uh, a Falling Down. Uh, and, a, oh, yeah. and a lot of films that never got made, like This Present Darkness. I worked on that for a long time with Chuck Russell. Um, you know, it's a thankless job. It's like, you know, because you're calling their babies ugly. You know, <laughs> and that was, my, that was my basis when I started on Dog Soldiers was that, you know, I was in story development. So I know what has to be in a movie. I know that you have to explain 
you know, that when Batman takes the nuclear bomb and drives off and the nuclear bomb goes off, you don't have him sitting with Catwoman at the, the next scene. Like, what was that in uh, Batman Returns or whatever? Not Returns, but was that movie? Which Batman was that? Did you uh, see it? Oh, the yeah, Dark Knight Rises. The Dark Knight yeah. Rises. Rises. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, okay, so you're just going to It's a very disappointing that. movie. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it's like, it's like, it could have been fixed easily. And it's like, okay, The Matrix. Okay, The Matrix. But the, but, but, but the whole idea of machines using human bodies as a source of energy and utilizing their heat was a bit incomprehensible. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Mm. Well, why do they just use other mammals instead of humans? I mean, you know, you think you think about that, and like, let's talk about the new Jurassic Park uh, or Jurassic World. Okay, so the dinosaurs are loose in the world. How did they get that many dinosaurs populate when you could take a tank and blow away a T-Rex? Like, it's like <laughs> you know, I think you have to keep things like that isolated. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm only going by the trailer, and I'm hoping it's good because I like dinosaurs. But I wanted to be a paleontologist mm-hmm. before I started. Like, so it's, I want to like the movie, but I'm sitting there going, well, how did that T-Rex get into the drive-in? Like, we have an army. We have so much stuff. We're giving it to another country. So how did this nope. get out of control? I hope they explain it in the movie because, you know, like the, there was a movie called The Valley of Blangy, right? Did you ever see it? 1968. Oh yeah. James Francisco, uh, Francisco. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a Mexican town, and they find this valley. Guanji, right? Is it pronounced Guanji? Guanji. What did yeah. I say? Blangy. I don't know. I don't know. It's Battle. Yeah, no, yeah. it's the Valley of Guanji. It's the one valley of Free Harryhausen's second to last film, I believe. Or yeah, it's up there. yeah, that's. That's fine. And then The Lost World, uh, so we've already seen a, a T-Rex running through downtown San Diego, which was actually Burbank, um, and uh-huh. uh, hit a bus with its head. And I mean, we've already been there. So it's sort of like, I hope the movie doesn't suck, because the, the last movie was basically Jurassic Resident Evil. Like, okay, so the mansion has dino yeah. prices. Like, what was that about? <laughs> you know? I just, you know, again, I'm not picky. If you entertain me, you know, I'm entertained. I know, I didn't believe it when I said it, but, yeah. Look, there's a difference, you know, <laughs> this one thing I say about B-movies, and, you know, I actually quit a review a review job that paid because they were making me review movies of a, of a below a certain budget, right, because they didn't want to do it. But I didn't want to write bad reviews for films on that level budget because I was like, no, I, you know, it's one thing to diss on Jurassic Park, another thing to diss on someone's baby, you know, I don't want to do that. Um, but that yeah. being said, it's horror films. It's one thing to be entertaining. You can be a bad film. You can be a bad film and still be entertaining. You cannot be boring. Period. Exactly. That's the big sin. Don't don't be boring. You know. Mm. I you know I wrote the video game reviews for Fangoria for like six years, and the only thing I learned from that was when you choose to criticize, you choose your enemies. And I didn't want Ooh. that karma on me anymore. You know, it's like, you know, because I know what it's like. I made two video games. I know 
So I think I, my reviews were always very fair. And if I made a criticism, I offered a solution. Oh, uh, if they would have done this, you know, because that's I'm a creative guy, you know, I'm not somebody in my basement who just, you know, Karen's everything. <laughs> you know, mm. I just, you know, I want to be helpful, and but it was just getting to me because you know, because I know what goes into it. Although I did enjoy my time at Fangoria, it was great, but it was a, it was on my bucket list like to write for Fangoria. Awesome. And you mentioned a movie that you were involved with called This Present Darkness. Was that by chance based on a Frank Peretti novel? It absolutely was. Here's oh my god, I had no really idea quick. there was almost a movie of that. Really? Yeah. So I worked with – you might want to put a hard hat on because there's about to be a lot of name dropping. All right. So <laughs> I, worked, I worked for Howard Kazanjic, who produced Raiders of the Lost Ark, Return of the Jedi, oh, yeah. uh, Demolition Man, sort of a big guy. Okay, so, so he, I learned a lot, lot from him. And he gives me the book one day because this is what I did. He goes, they want to make a movie out of it. So give me an outline. So I read the book, you know, and it's a religious book, and it, it, it's a fascinating, you know, I mean, whether you're religious or not, the imagery is, because basically the, the, the story of the film is, or the, the book is, that um, these demons enter a, um, uh, a small town, and they disguise themselves as, like, new age uh, gurus and stuff like that. And so it's drawing people away from the, the church, and the reason we pray is because, according to the book, the reason we pray is so that it gives angels power. It, 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 it generates or energizes the angels. So there's a scene in the book where angels are just on the trees all over town with their wings drooping and just with very sad faces because the people are, are turning to the demons. And, you know, it was just, it's, it's such a good book. You know, even though it's got a lot of, it's like, you know, Nar- Narnia, it's got hidden, you know, it was well, not so hidden, but it's got religious overtones, mm-hmm. but it's just like, it's just such a great book. So anyway, there was a, a director, Chuck Russell, who did Eraser, and I think he did one of the Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, and he was attached number three. to the book. Yeah, number three, you're right. Yeah. So he, 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 they couldn't, Warner Brothers could not make the movie without him. And I guess I wasn't in on any of the story meetings, but I, I guess he was kind of hard to work with. It was like, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Well, we haven't seen a movie, and that's got to be at least 25 years ago that that happened. You know, and that's the, that's the other thing. A lot of things don't get made or, or die because there's attachment, you know, um, lawyers. And, and stuff like that, and you know, oh, it's sad. Yeah. And it's like the studios—they they'll buy scripts. I mean, I've 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 made twelve movies, but I've written like thirty-five scripts and stuff, and I've sold most of them. But what they do is they <laughs> don't want another studio to make them, so they'll buy them and then they'll put them in a vault. Um, Good lord, it's just—it's sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sad. And as a literary agent. You know, I always made sure that my client, there was a clause because they like, they like to say through, through the universe, we own the rights. And I'm like, no, no, no. You get it for 10 years. You don't make this movie in 10 years, my, the rights come back to my writer. 
you know, or five years or, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, you can't give them a year or two years because sometimes it takes that long just to go through development. But five years is fair. Ten years is, you know, that's fair too. But, yeah, it's, it's so many films have died. And, and that's one of the sad ones. I, I, I think it would have been a really good movie. And, you know, I worked on, like, Falling Down. So, uh, again, Howard gave me the book. It was called Defense. And he's like, make a movie out of this. <laughs> you know, huh. and uh, he did it with Dracula, too. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I worked on that. And um, I actually suggested that Brian Bless be um, Van Helsing. I thought he would make a great Van Helsing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, he was the uh, Hawkman in Flash Gordon. Yeah. Well, I yeah, always thought it was Brian Bless. I said Brian Bless, yeah. Did I? <laughs> I heard one this syllable. Pop- I thought it was two. Oh, I don't know yeah, what's no, right. <laughs> I don't know either. This pop can is laughing at me. Everyone makes mistakes in Mountain Dew. <laughs> um, so uh, anyway, we're just saying, oh yeah. So so yeah. So 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 I think falling down wasn't as good because in the book, the reason that he was on his killing spree is because he was on his way to home to kill his wife. Oh wow! Because she wanted a divorce. And so that's, he just kept getting angrier and angrier, but he was going home to the birthday party of their son to kill his wife in the book. And the movie totally skips over all of that. And I think that takes the meat out of it. I also worked on um, the American version of La Femme Nikita, which at the time I got it, it was called uh, Girl Number Nine, but it was called Point of No Return when it was released. Right. Yeah. They... They totally Americanized it because mainly in the French film, everything was done for her on her birthday. You know, that was how the time was set up and and stuff like that. And it was very subtle. There's one scene where, I guess it was her first assignment or something. She goes to a hotel. She sets the bomb or whatever. And then she walks out and the bomb goes off. Not in the American version. Oh, no, there's explosions. And, you know, it's just like big bombastic yeah, and that ruined because because La Femme Laquita was a character study, and 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 the studios do not understand, for the most part, and I'm generalizing, but they they go for the big bombastic. They don't really go for the character. It's like the ring, Ringu, uh, the the Japanese, the original or Korean. No, it's Japanese, right? Ringu. Japanese, yeah. yeah. So Japanese. They they really went into the psychology of Samara. What was her name? I forget. Um. But in, in the English version, Samara. States, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm scared. You got it. Stop. <laughs> I heard. I got a boo-boo. Um, so anyway. Pop yeah, laughing so, at him. <laughs> I hope you're laughing with me. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Of course. Um, <laughs> the can says that you're laughing at me. That's not true. But, no. Um, we're, laughing with, we're laughing with the can. What? The can is not pleased. Anyway, where 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 were we? More about me. Uh, Oh, Rigo. So basically, so they go into the whole psychology of the girl, and it's so it's such a great character study. Not in the American version. Yeah. 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 
all of those. They just because they 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 feel that we don't have the attention span, you know. And to some extent, they're kind of right. It's like you know, kids today. They don't, you know. I well, I showed some somebody uh, a Dracula, a Hammer Dracula film, and they were like, "Oh, when is this gonna get good?" Yeah, wow. I know. So look at those facts and look at that, you know. So they didn't know that there was an original Halloween. That's scary too. Oh and I have to goodness. say, the original film, and they go original film. Oh, it killed me. I oh, died. Ouch. Twisted knife. Like, oh, you don't think that piece of crap. Now, I know the last time we talked, I went off on that Halloween movie, but let's talk about yes. Halloween yeah. Kills. <laughs> oh, my God. It could, I didn't think it could get worse. <laughs> I, I really didn't. Jamie Lee Curtis needs to be ashamed of herself. I'm sorry. Oh, my. Well, she did redeem then, herself this, with everything, everywhere, all at once. I mean, that movie is amazing. Right. I just saw it. But, well, so you got to give her a pass sometimes. No, no, no. <laughs> Don't try to save her ass. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. She, I, I do not return her calls. Nope. <laughs> she didn't match okay. that series. It's horrible. It's like, come on. So, but I'm going to see Halloween ends because I want to see how they really destroy it before they reboot it again. <laughs> you know. We got one more. We got Halloween ends. Right. And then you have to pre-boot it. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just uh, re-poot it. We're going to re-poot it. Anyway, don't get me started on that. I don't even want to talk about it. It makes me so angry. But if I was going to talk about it, it would be this. So it made no sense that, that, you know, it's like, it was like, it was more of, it was more of, oh, look at this. Oh, look, there's this mask from Halloween 3. So you don't pay attention to the fact that what the fuck is going on? What am I looking at? You know, so everyone's at the bar. Let's go get them. Evil dies tonight. No, good plotting dies tonight. So what is he in the back of that car? Come on. That was, I, I don't want to talk about it. Why did you bring that Brian, up? Are you, um, are you busy Sunday? Because we're live streaming, watching the Chainsaw Awards together. Yeah. And our self-assumments are going on the screen. And I have a feeling you'd be good at being salty and riffing, you know, everything that's happening. <laughs> I'm not bothering Brian on this. No, it's like, oh, I love it. We won, we won Chainsaw for Dog Soldiers. That was nice. Um, right on. All I got was a piece of paper, not a nice Saturn uh, award. I got aw. three Saturn awards. Spielberg only has two. That's all I'm saying. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> no, but All right, anyway. so you bring up a really good point. You you oh, have you mentioned that. <laughs> no, you were mentioning that foreign films are much more complex, much more character driven than American films. On the whole, generally speaking, who is to blame? Are we blaming the audiences? Are we blaming the studios? Are we blaming the directors? I mean. If we're Scorsese, we're blaming Marvel, obviously. But um... <laughs> I blame the French because they screwed with our language. But here's the thing. <laughs> what? It'll make sense later. Let me go on. So, no. Um, see, here's the thing I learned. The, the, 
the UK people, the, the European people love dialogue. They love to talk. Um, and for good or bad, that's, you know, that Shakespeare guy probably started that. I mean, if you're an actor <laughs> and you have to remember all those Shakespearean lines, I couldn't do it. I don't know. Um, but I live by the, the thing there. It's a motion picture. You should be able to turn the sound off of any movie and know exactly what's going on. Dialogue should always wow. further character. It should never tell the story. And that's what I guess American films do right, you know, because of some of us, but, but, but mm-hmm. for the, you know, English and French films and stuff like that, they're very talky, you know, but they also don't have the attention span that we do. They will actually sit and enjoy a movie. Whereas here, have you been to a movie theater lately? Well, before COVID, people don't know how to behave anymore. They're, they're ordering the chicken dinner while I'm trying to watch a movie. Well, why are you ordering a chicken dinner? So here's a helpful hint to all the people that love to go to the movies. and are, Go up to the people that are annoying you in the theater and tell them that what they're doing is called, and it's an arrestable offense. And if they don't shut the hell up, mm-hmm. you're going to call the cops. And that's my little tip from me to you. <laughs> and the can. I mentioned you. I, I mentioned am so you using times, that. Can, but it's true. It, it's true. Or, you know, I carry a flashlight. So when these people are looking at their phones during the movie, I hit them with the beam. <laughs> and I have that flashlight that's like a laser beam. Oh, yeah. Nice. I like your style, sir. Well, and on that note, out. we're going to have to close this out, sir, because we are out of time. <laughs> so, so remember, if, if that laser oh my light God, is pointed it... out you, it's probably Brian Patrick O'Toole, <laughs> you know, and he will let you know why he's doing it. So, and we appreciate you. Always welcome to come on the show, show sir. I say, I'm slurring my words too now. Um, we absolutely adore you, and thank you for talking about all your escapades um, in and out of movie dumb. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Um, now I have to go back to this nerd. Here, here. He's been, I think yeah, she's please, stealing my stuff. Please get better. <laughs> Um, let us know how you're doing. We we will think you in our thoughts and and give you good healing vibes. Um, I'm not sure what our what our next show is going to be about. I there's like two things that could possibly be something. Raven has a has a guest, and and um, we were going to hopefully the Lumpia with a vengeance. Oh my God! If you want to see a cool low budget film, uh, Brian Lumpia with a vengeance. Yeah, um, we Holy might have crap. those guys on next next show, which will be two weeks from now. Um, the tentative 25th. date for that would be the 25th of, of May. Um, and uh, once again, come back on the show, Sir Brian. And everyone, thank you for listening tonight. It's always fun when he's on the show. And as usual, I want to thank my sexy witches. We have a special, once again, episode on Facebook exclusive streaming a group streaming of the chainsaw awards please look for the event page i will be posting it the next day or two and thank you even though he wasn't able to make it on the show mike lee for making that possible um so we are leaving tonight because i started with a song from 2002 in honor of dog soldiers i'm leaving with a song from 2002 because that's when most people saw your film sir um is that and it is, 
Yeah, no, it's not Bark at the Moon. I went a little bit more obscure. Ah. I went um, Flaming Lips, Yoshimi Battles the Pink Robot. So it might not be werewolves, but it is about getting ready to fight for the world. So, And you fight well, for the world here. This week there's going to be a fiery super flower blood moon lunar eclipse. Yes. Oh, right. my God. Thank you for eclipse. reminding me. Yeah. It, it, it's it's a it's at a, a ten ten. It starts on the east coast. Um, so look for that and goes through about eleven thirty. There will be a total eclipse of the moon, a blood moon this this weekend. So um, people on the east coast, uh, west coast, you're gonna get, you're you're gonna hit around seven. So you might miss most, mm-hmm. but you should get totality. So please, thank you, Brian, for reminding me. I almost forgot. I actually had it up in my notes to talk about. So. Yes. Well, it sounds like a bad anime. I don't know. No, well, Blood Moon is beautiful. <laughs> flower, Blood Moon, Lunar Eclipse. Yeah, yeah. And it's the second totally. eclipse of the month. So, it, actually, we had one at the end of April and May. So, this will be the second one of the month. So, two eclipses of no way. Much love, much madness. We'll talk to you again soon in two weeks. Thank you all for coming. Good night now. Bless you. Wave the French.
Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.